I'm Matt. And I'm Jenna. We are Mana. And this is Food for Thought. A podcast dedicated to encourage and inspire you as you seek to grow your relationship with Christ and live out your Catholic faith. In today's episode, we talk about cursing and profanity, and we ask the question, as Christians, are we ever allowed to use it? Concerts. And so before we get this started, I want to tell you about a concert that I just went to. It was amazing. And it was two bands. I did not expect these bands to perform together. Um, but the crazy thing about this, what made it so cool, was that tickets for this concert were only 45 cents. It was 50 cent with Nickelback. Welcome, everyone, to episode 46. That deadening silence and lack of laughter means that we're still starting every episode with a dad joke, and it is also a sign, usually, that Jenna is not with us. Um, She is still balancing all the different things of uh, working, and if you haven't heard, if you don't follow her on social media, um, they are pregnant with baby number two and did a gender reveal at Adelaide's birthday, her first birthday, that the baby they are carrying now is a boy. So if you would please uh, be praying for them. And they're still renovating and moving into their new home. And so there's a lot going on in the Bernardo house. And so keep them in prayer. Um, but that is a, a peak of my week was being able to see uh, and celebrate Adelaide's first birthday and anticipating Hannah, my daughter's first birthday, because they're only about two weeks apart. So um, Adelaide's birthday is actually today, the day I'm recording this, um, and their party was a, a few days before that. So um, keep them in your prayers, as always. Um, but that was a nice highlight of my week, was that celebration. Um, a pit um, a pit of my week, there's been a lot of spiritual warfare this week. Um, I don't know if you've been experiencing that as well. So if you are, I just kind of want to just offer a prayer for you and just pray that God would rebuke whatever that's, that is going on in your life in the name of Jesus and help you to know that whatever doubt, worry, anxiety, or fear that it's causing is not rooted in anything that's true. And just to cast that out of your life in this moment, because I needed that as well this week. And so, um, but yeah, uh, one of those pits has been lacking a really good community of men. Um, there's a lot of great community of male Catholics in Orange County. I just never seem to be a part of it. So I don't know if that's something that I'm doing or something that I'm just not on the right people's radar or I need to find that person who can, uh, who I can express to my desire, but, um, pray for me in that regard. But I do want to shout out, um, two people in South Orange County, two awesome, um, male ministers in South Orange County, Nathan and Travis at St. Killian's. They're always super intentional about inviting me to stuff. And despite my schedule or them being at times where I can't go, I really, really appreciate that. And so I hope they know that. I don't know if you all listen to this, but if you do hear it, shout out to you. Um, and then my plug this week, um, is simple. Um, Give someone a phone call or FaceTime them. I got to FaceTime one of my dearest friends, uh, Stephanie in New Mexico today, and it was just a really blessing to my day. And um, I don't get to do that often enough, actually just get in touch with someone on FaceTime or actually on the phone. Um, And so, yeah, shout out to those three. You guys know what? That's shout outs number 32, 33, and 34 on our show. Oh, Anyways, weird things we keep track of. Um, but um, today's episode, um, I don't know, really stems from a lot of different things. I really love stand-up comedy. Um, 
I study stand-up comics when I study speaking in front of groups. That's kind of the delivery method, the stage presence that I gravitate toward the most. And I study them to kind of see different tactics for delivery. Um, I don't know, different, different mannerisms and things that I pick up in order to be a better speaker. But the one thing I always dislike about stand-up comedy and really have a lack of respect for stand-up comics, some stand-up comics, is when it gets very... Um, graphic or crude or um, uses a lot of profanity because I, for one, find that that's a very simple and easy version of comedy for just kind of like people to find funny in a very unintelligent way. It doesn't take a whole lot of hard work to write a joke with crudeness in it. Um, and so it just doesn't seem to be honoring the craft. Um, and I don't like having to caveat things when I recommend them to people. Um, so even like my my most like favorite stand-up comic right now, who I think is brilliant, his name's James Acaster, has this four-part comedy series on Netflix. I'm not sure if I've mentioned it before, but he filmed all four specials on the same night, and I believe with the same audience. I believe same night, same audience, because it's like this four-part epic poem that kind of ties together, but he does it in four hour-long comedy specials, and he's very brilliant. He's not sexually crude or, or immorally crude or anything like that, and he has very, very small amount of language. And for a British comedian, if you know British humor, that's even more impressive than a American comic not having uh, bad language. And so, um, yeah, if, if you can uh, stomach through the couple of winces, I think in the second episode where he does have um, the primarily um, cursing parts, which are very minimal, um, I would highly recommend that. But part of that is, is that. And then it's just I've, oh, I've had for a long time kind of an aversion to bad language and to cursing and to profanity and, and all of that and um, blasphemous language, especially when we talk about the name of God. And um, I, I kind of just put up with it because I feel like it's part of our culture and part of pretty much every media or uh, TV film that I consume. I find it in almost everything. And then in the church, in uh, among other ministers, among people in the leadership of the church, or in ministries I serve in or with, I hear it in those places too. Um, and originally when I got into ministry, that was very shocking to me to kind of hear that because, you know, it kind of erased this question in me, is that an appropriate thing to be happening? Where is the line drawn? And so we're going to talk about that on this episode briefly um, because I think it would be helpful. And I think there's a lot of information out there about this that is more people's opinions who happen to um, curse and not think it's a big deal, who happen to be Catholic speakers or influencers, um, who maybe aren't really looking at scripture or what just logic would dictate um, to really give like a clear um, boundary for what what's the best and most virtuous expectation for us as Christians. And so um, in order to talk about this, I think we have to make a uh, clear definition between different types of what some may consider offensive or inappropriate language. And so um, those three things are blasphemy, cursing, and profanity. Now, those three things are often used synonymously, but in, you know, when we talk about it in a church context and in philosophy and theology, they mean three different things. So blasphemy is particularly language directed against God. Um, and so in the catechism, uh, paragraph 2146 uh, through 2148 is where the most kind of direct um, information about this teaching is. Um, but in 2146 of uh, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, it says that the second commandment, which is you shall not take the Lord of uh, the name of the Lord your God in vain. The second commandment forbids the abuse of God's name. 
every improper use of the names of God, Jesus Christ, but also of the Virgin Mary and all the saints. And so those people deserve our reverence and not to be um, blasphemed against uh, because uh, out of our language. And I think Christians across the board, I don't think there's any Christian who argues that blasphemous profanity or blasphemous language is okay. It's pretty clear in scripture. You can't get around that. Like we need to have respect for the name of God. And I knew a, a Calvary Chapel pastor uh, in the town where I grew up who he would hear people say that and he wouldn't, he wouldn't yell at them. He wouldn't condemn them. He would just say Lord's name and would just kind of call him on it. Even if they weren't Christian, he just, it was like a reflex he had. And we're just like, Oh, that's the Lord's name. And like, and it would kind of be this playful way of pointing out lovingly, like, Hey, you're saying a name that some people revere and other people might have an aversion to that. And I'm going to vocalize that, but in a way that doesn't demean you or belittle you, you know? Um, and I always, I've had a lot of, inf still have a lot of admiration for that, that he was willing to do that in every circumstance. Um, but another part of blasphemy that I want to look at, um, is in, in the catechism paragraph 2148, two paragraphs later, where it says blasphemy is directly opposed to the second commandment, which we all understand. We established that. It consists in uttering against God inwardly or outwardly words of hatred, reproach, or defiance in speaking ill of God, in failing in respect toward him in one's speech, in misusing God's name. And what I find interesting about that statement is inwardly or outwardly. You know, it doesn't say internally, like quietly in our mind. It says inwardly, as if we can direct blasphemy toward God inwardly at the presence of God within us, namely our soul. And so there is a sense that us being created in the image and likeness of God, when we blaspheme against ourselves in self-hatred and self-deprecation, uh, in low self-esteem, that we are committing an offense against God, not in such a way that God is angry at us and going to like condemn us, you know, because if we're experiencing self-hatred or self-destructive habits, that's obviously not a helpful image to have on top of that and be like, well, I'm not that great and great now God hates me. Like, no, that's not the reality. But it's a recognition that you're created with such dignity that there is no aspect of you and who you are that deserves to be spoken about with words of hatred, reproach, or defiance that you don't deserve to speak ill of yourself or for anyone to speak ill of you. That's that that's blasphemy against the God who dwells in you. And I really like how that's worded. Um, and so that's blasphemy. I think we can agree that that's not Christian. I mean, if you look at even in that sense, the principles of love God and love your neighbor, that it, within all of the commandments, all of the law are summed up in those two statements. If we're abiding by those, then of course we would not blaspheme against God. Uh, as a person, uh, as the, you know, any person of the Trinity, as one divine being, we would not blaspheme against God within ourselves or in others because we know that would be hateful. Um, and so um, the others part kind of comes into play with the next word, which is cursing. And so cursing doesn't just mean saying curse words. Cursing in the scriptural and theological sense means calling down evil or curses upon another person or, you know, a place or a situation, like any sense where we are calling down ill will or evil intent, malicious intent upon anything, we are participating in an act of evil, in a willful creation of evil intent in a moment. 
And I think that is something that we, uh, you know, I don't know of any Christian, you know, fundamentalist or, you know, anywhere across the board who would think like, oh yeah, willfully participating and calling down evil upon another person is totally legit. Like, yes, we can speak about injustice and we can speak about it passionately, but that doesn't, no matter how terrible a person is or how we, how terrible we may think a person is or their policies are or something that they did was, they do not deserve that evil will upon them because they're still a creature of God. They're a child of God and blaspheming against God includes blaspheming against the God who dwells within them. And so cursing them as an individual would not be appropriate as a Christian. The one place where I think the the fuzzy wiggle room or, or, gr or ground gets a little hairy is when it comes to the third word, which is profanity. And that's basically being obscene or inappropriate in language. Not just using like four letter words, but this can be like talking about sexually inappropriate things. It can be talking about things that are, um, you know, um, bordering on immodesty for yourself. You know, we often think in as a modesty as the way that we dress, but modesty is a virtue in which we're presenting ourselves in such a way that the dignity with which that we deserved to be treated with, that we we're created with, is being impeded or is directly being worked against by something that we are doing. Either something we're wearing, but it can also be something that we're doing or something that we're saying. So we can speak immodestly and cause kind of um, the fact that we are a son or daughter of God to be diminished because... Um, we're speaking just in a way that's inappropriate, not necessarily using a four letter, what we might call like a, a curse word or something like that. Um, so I, th that helps, I think, kind of differentiate it. But if we look at these, I think if we're honest with ourselves, if we look at any of these, we know logically that these there's something inherently wrong about inappropriate language, about cursing, about profane words. Because we, as a secular society, still have rules about what can be said in certain grades of movies. You know, we know that it's not appropriate to have certain types of language in a kid's movie. And if there was nothing wrong with this language or destructive or habit-forming about this language, then there would be really no reason to limit it. But we know that inherently it's in, it's in those different, you know, kind of laws and regulations we have about appropriate behavior. Um, you would never use those that language in front of a brand new boss or in front of the parents of your first date that you're meeting for the first time or in front of the Pope or, you know, Jesus or very likely like your mom or your grandma or something like that. You know, you may have a different relationship there family wise because this kind of behavior of inappropriate language has kind of permeated our culture over the past 50, 60 years. But um, I think there's an innate sense that we have that this isn't okay, even if we don't agree. So for instance, I go to a barber shop, I go to the same barber shop, and on occasion, not every time I'm there, but on occasion, especially when it's emptier, the guys who work, they'll just start talking. And some of those times they'll start using inappropriate language or they'll start joking inappropriately or saying things that I wouldn't necessarily agree with. And normally I'm not a big talker in my barber chair at all. But it's really funny, every time that starts happening, the barber cutting my hair at some point after asks me, what do you do for a living or where are you coming from? And I'm always coming from work or I always answer, you know, what I do for a living, which is I'm a minister, you know, I do adult and youth ministry uh, at the parish where I work. And I tell them it's at the church next door because the barbershop is right down the street from where I, where I work. 
And immediately, even if they're not religious people, they apologize. They're like, oh, sorry about that language that we were using. And it's, I always find that as odd because I kind of want to ask, well, why are you apologizing? You know, it was obviously okay to use it in that moment. So you thought, why is it now suddenly not okay? Because I think inherently we have this sense that there's something wrong with it. And so some people have this opinion, well, what do I know if I'm in a situation where everyone there will not be offended? Well, A, you don't know that for sure. Like you don't have like, none of your friends sign this language covenant that says like, these are the words I'm okay with, these are the words I'm not okay with, and these are the words that we can use and you don't have that knowledge to just draw from in like a manila folder every time you're hanging out. And some of that depends on mood or season of life or if someone's trying to be better or more virtuous. Uh, and if, if you're really hanging out with the people who you are most intimately connected with in friendship, do you really want to set the bar lower or higher? You know, it's not like we set the bar high out in public to try and have decorum, and then suddenly when we're with the people who are really close to us, we can set the bar lower and just be less virtuous people and be worse with our language or more callous with our language. That doesn't really follow to live as a disciple of Christ. Like, to live as a disciple of Christ, I would think that with our closest friends, those are the people we want their sanctity most in life, like, and the people who we can really affect their sanctity most in life. Wouldn't we want to set the bar even higher and try and call one another to a better use of language? I think instead of shooting for virtue, we set that bar lower than normal when we're together with those people that we make excuses on why this language is okay. Um, and that just doesn't build virtue. And in fact, if anyone is listening to this and they're in ministry and they've done what's called safe environment training and you know about like, you know, um, ministering to teens, one of the triggering behaviors of someone who is grooming a younger person to potentially take advantage of them or maybe even abuse them is starting to having these kind of little private secret conversations with them that often involve more inappropriate language or cursing that they wouldn't use with other people. And you kind of groom that like, oh, this is a special language that only me and this person speak. And I find it very odd that that is very textbook grooming behavior in an abusive, potentially abusive situation. And yet some people use that as justification the closeness and the, you know, to do that with their close friends. I just find that very strange. Like, why would we do that? And I see this all the time. Like you'll, you know, you'll meet someone who's maybe, or you'll have a superior at work or someone that you have a lot of respect for, and then you get to know them more. And then there's that one day where you're joking around and they lean in and they say that thing that only you hear. And maybe it's the first time you've heard them curse or use a, you know, use a profane word, or they say something a lot more inappropriate than you've ever heard them say in front of a group of people. That really is not inappropriate. That's kind of grooming behavior. Like someone is trying to say like, you're special and I can use this special language with you. And it's not better, more virtuous language. It's worse. And what does that kind of say to another person? Like, it's just very problematic for me uh, in looking at it that way. And so I think we have to look at this idea of language and ask ourselves, is it appropriate? Is it, is it ever appropriate to use? And is it, is it sinful? And is it ever not sinful when we use it? And so first I want to say, address the question, is it sinful? Well, we know we have two different types of sin. There's venial sin and mortal sin. Venial sin is um, sin that damages us, you know, it um, impedes our virtue. Um, but mortal sin is that sin which severs our relationship with God and damages our soul so severely that we need to be reconciled through a representative of God and the body of Christ to come back into the community. And that's why we have reconciliation. Um, and so it's very damaging sin. 
And for mortal sin to take place, that bad sin, uh, it needs to be a grave matter. We need to be aware it's a mortal sin and we need to fully consent. Now, I don't think there's anyone out there forcing people to um, say obscenities against their will. Um, and the grave matter aspect, I think, depends on the type of word, the situation. Um, you know, if you're using, you know, a very foul word um, and you use it directed at, let's say, your wife in public, that is a whole lot different than saying that same word uh, in silence, or not in silence, but when you're alone, out loud, when you stub your toe or you hurt yourself, you know, when you're working in the garage with some tools or something like that. It doesn't mean one is okay, but it does show you that there's a degree of of um, inappropriateness to how we use them. Uh, you know, using it directly at another person in a public place where people hear, that's obviously more severe. Um, doesn't mean the other one's good or okay, but it just means that, you know, if it is, if all the time it's sinful, then it doesn't necessarily follow that every situation where we use profane language would be mortal or venial. It kind of depends on the situation. Uh, it wouldn't be one or the other. It can be both. Um, and then an awareness that it is a sin. And that's kind of what this episode is about. Like, do we even know that this is sinful? Is it even on our radar? And so the question I would ask to be able to quantify or determine, is this sinful, is to ask, well, is there anything good, true, beautiful, or loving, or necessary about any of those words that cannot be achieved by other language just as well? And I honestly cannot think of an answer or any justification to make that answer, yes, there is goodness to these words, or there is truth in these words that cannot be achieved in other language. I don't, I don't think it's possible. Maybe you have opinion that's different than that and you have a situation that you would, you know, please send it into us. I'd be very, very curious to know your opinion, um, to know what you think about this. But I think if we really, if we look at scripture, which we will in a moment, and we really look at this logically, like what, what good re like dwells within using profanity or blasphemy or cursing that doesn't exist in other language and that what type of communication or what type of emotion that's attached to that language can't be just as effectively communicated with other words. There are plenty of people out there who don't curse, who can communicate their emotions just as healthy and maybe even healthier as people who do, probably because they have a more expansive vocabulary because they're not using easy, inappropriate filler words uh, more and more frequently. Uh, and so I think I would, I would say yes, all the time, using inappropriate language is sinful. Using profanity is sinful. Now, it might be venial, it might be mortal, depending on the situation, but I think regardless of our intent or the context, um, they're offensive to the body of Christ, whether we, we are aware of who's offended by it or not, whether we think everyone in the room is in on it or not. It's inappropriate. There's obviously other uh, language that we can use. It's, you know, not considered professional you know, talk to use that type of language. And it's unnecessary. We have other words in the English language to be able to communicate how we're feeling about a given situation in a much more intelligent um, and coherent way. I think the degree of the sinfulness, like I said, just depends on the words used, the frequency with which they're used. Like if you're using that every other word in a sentence, like, okay, that's a lot worse than it's slipping out once, obviously. Um, who it was directed toward, etc. All those things are going to play a factor. But I think across the board, there's no real way to argue that there's no sinfulness 
in any kind of situation where you would be using inappropriate language. I don't think you can you can argue reasonably that there's any situation where it would be considered appropriate. And so I came across a blog on the Catholic gentleman. I'll post a link to it in the show notes. Um, and he went through five things. I'm going to expand it to six, but kind of five quick reasons or six quick reasons now. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to jump into scripture for each one of them. Uh, just one corresponding verse to each one as to why this is inappropriate to use, why bad language, profane language, um, curse words, Blasphemy, all of it across the board is inappropriate to use. And some of it we've already covered, but to kind of show you where those different reasons are rooted in scripture. So number one, it's not necessary. It's not. It says in James chapter three, verse 10, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. This need not to be so, my brothers. You know, James recognizes like we're, we have the power to speak evil and to speak good, but it doesn't have to be that way. It's not necessary to do one. And if you read that whole first section of James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, um, it has a lot of very beautiful imagery um, and convincing language, I think, that talks about why that type of language isn't appropriate. And I think it's so good, in fact, that I'm going to read it for you right now. So this is James chapter 3, the power of the tongue. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you realize that we will be judged more strictly, for we all fall short in many respects. If anyone does not fall short in speech, he is a perfect man, able to bridle his whole body also. Listen to this. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we also guide their whole bodies. It is the same with ships. Even though they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot's inclination wishes. In the same way, the tongue is a small member and yet has great pretensions. Consider how small a fire can set a huge forest ablaze. The tongue is also a fire. It exists among our members as a world of malice, defiling the whole body and setting the entire course of our lives on fire, itself set on fire by Gehenna. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Father, the Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who are made in the image and likeness of God. And that's where James says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. This need not be so, my brothers. Does a spring gush forth from the same opening, both pure and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, produce olives or grapevine figs? Neither can, salt water, neither can salt water yield fresh. And so basically what James is saying here is it's not in nature where anything produces these two contrary things. And yet our tongue has the capability to do that. But what is more appropriate? And the things that we say with something as simple as our words can have a profound impact not only on our entire body, the entire way we carry ourselves, but on the entire body of Christ. And so number one, why it's not Christian to use that type of language is because it's not necessary. Number two, it can be offensive and destructive to the body of Christ. And we alluded to this just in the last one. It says in Isaiah chapter 50 verse four, the Lord God has given me a well-trained tongue that I might know how to answer the weary a word that will waken them. Do we waken others to the joy of a life lived in Jesus Christ by the words that we use? Or do we represent the church in a not as good way 
couldn't think of the word I was thinking of there, um, in a deficient way because of the language that we use? Would people be surprised to find out that we're Catholic based on the language that they that we use? Uh, and that can be destructive to the body of Christ or to how the body of Christ might be seeking to grow. So it's unnecessary. It can be offensive and destructive to the body of Christ. And third, our words, what we say, will be judged. In Matthew 12, 36, Jesus says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will render an account for every careless word they speak. By your words, you will be acquitted. And by your words, you will be condemned. This is kind of like a, there's no pass and go, no get out of jail free card. Like you are going to have to justify everything, not only that you did, because in, in theology, we're all about action, right? Action is sin. But the things that we say, those are actions. And we cannot think of those carelessly because they will face judgment. And we can have a detrimental effect where that judgment is worthy of being carried out in this life and how it affects the body of Christ, like the previous statement, or when we come face to face with Jesus in death. Number four, it might cause someone else to stumble. Now, this is related to the fact that it's destructive to the body of Christ. But it says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, that no foul language shall come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for needed edification, that it may impart grace to those who hear. That there is never an instance where foul language can come out of our mouths, but only language that is good for needed edification that it may impart grace to those who hear. Do other people experience the grace of God by the things that you say and the way that you speak? Or do they feel uncomfortable? Do they feel, or do you get a sense that they are being struck with a sense that what you're saying is inappropriate? Because those two things are in opposition to each other. Number five, it desensitizes us. In Matthew 15, 11, it says, it is not what enters one mouth that defiles that person, but what comes out of the mouth is what defiles one. The Hebrew people didn't, didn't see this kind of separation between soul and body. That was a Greek idea. Hebrews, they saw the body and soul as connected, which we still theologically understand that your soul exists in every single cell of your body. And when you speak defiling language, that has a ripple effect into every aspect of your body, including your soul. That's what defiles. You know, food can defile our body, but our soul, it's affected by our body, but it cannot defeat our soul. The body cannot defeat our soul. Our soul is eternal. Um, but we can have eternal ramifications on our soul based on what we do, based on the actions that we commit, whether we're sinning or not. And scripture clearly says that, that it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles us and defiles other people. And, you know, if you start cursing like every other word or you use foul language a lot you just become desensitized to it and then you are more easy more easily able to consume music movies media that have more and more and more cursing and that has a psychological effect on language on our anger on our emotional state um, and none of that has good effects on us or on our relationships and then number six uh, which is number five from this article because i added number two um that it isn't classy and he argues in this article that, yes, this is probably the least strong reason, but still, 
It's just not good language to use. It says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8, But now you must put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene language out of your mouths. And in scripture, it couples obscene language with those other things. And we would never look at any of those behaviors as classy. You know, we don't look at classy people and think, yeah, they're really angry or really uh, wrathful. They're really malicious. They slander other people. They use obscene language all the time. Like we, those are crass people. Those aren't classy people. Um, and this is really an aversion I personally also have to cursing is that when I hear someone curse, it's hard for me to, to have this experience and I have to fight it. But I immediately lose some respect for that person and kind of feel like they're not as intelligent because they're incapable of communicating what they're feeling without using a just easy throwaway um, inappropriate word. And there's so many other ways to communicate emotion and, um, you know, anger, righteous anger, or um, anything, any emotion that doesn't necessitate the use of inappropriate words or inappropriate language, especially when we are trying to do good for the body of Christ and build up the body of Christ. And language really, people have a huge aversion to language. And why would we use it? We, we have to take on that moral culpability Knowing that, I mean, I don't think there's anyone out there who uses inappropriate language who isn't aware of the fact that other people are offended by it. They may have an opinion that those people shouldn't be offended, but they have at least an awareness that other people are offended by it. Um, and it's it's not shocking to them, you know? Um, and if it is, that's just ridiculous. And it shows that they're desensitized and we're becoming more desensitized as a culture. And that's not a good thing. Um I know that's sometimes an approach, like the more we use it, the less meaning it will have and it won't be profane anymore and then it will just become everyday speech. Is that really, that's kind of like lowering the bar for our friends. Do we really want to lower the bar for language that much? I don't know if you've seen the movie Idiocracy, but like it, it plays that like the unintelligent people populate more and in the future language is diminished and Luke Wilson, who's just speaking like an everyday guy, people are like, oh, look at you and your fancy language because language has diminished so much because the bar for intelligence and communication got set lower and lower and lower and lower over time. That's not really calling anyone to virtue, you know? No, you'll never hear in the story of any saint where anyone was encouraged by that saint or someone encouraged that saint to just get to heaven by doing the bare minimum. You know, that doesn't happen anywhere. You know, it's always about striving for excellence. And so I think that's something that we have to be aware of. And so if you struggle with this, if you struggle with these things, I want to remind you those reasons. Like, remember, it's not necessary. Try and think of a different way to communicate what you're feeling. Remember, number two, that it could be offensive or destructive to someone else's sensibilities. And yeah, part of that reaction is on them. Um, and I think a lot of people who are Christians will be respectful of the fact that they're not going to, like, I do this all the time. I'm not going to just force someone to adhere to the way that I use language or just cast judgment on them when I don't understand what's going on in their life or that may not, they may not even be aware of how inappropriate that language could be perceived. But it does, I do feel like it has a detrimental effect on me. Um, and so to, to realize that you may be having an effect on other people that you don't even know. Number three, that your words will be judged. The things that we say have some kind of spiritual bearing. Number four, that it, it could cause other people to stumble, especially if you call yourself a Christian or a follower of Jesus or a Catholic. Like other people are looking to you as an example, not as the bare minimum of what might pass for someone who calls himself that. 
remember that it can desensitize you just like anything that anyone could become addicted to like a drug or pornography or alcohol or sex all of that stuff we can become desensitized to it when we try it in all these different ways and all these different situations be and abuse it beyond the way that it was meant to be used um, if it's if it was meant to be used at all and then um, that it, it isn't classy it's just not it's not something that anyone who is trying to live a virtuous professional um, respectable life of a leader in the church, of a disciple of Jesus, of someone that we're trying to get other people to emulate, of someone trying to live as a saint. There's really no reason or justification to use it. And so if you struggle with this, I want to direct you to two saints. Uh, one I'm going to talk about very briefly because we already talked about her in episode 24. So if you want to learn about her life, go re-listen to that, the end of that episode. But St. Joan of Arc is considered in some places the patron saint against cursing or profanity. And part of it comes from the fact that there's a story about St. Joan of Arc. Um, you, know, you may not know her story. Go listen to that. But basically, she became the um, leader of the French army um, as a teenager um, at a time when it wasn't even appropriate for a woman to be a soldier. And she just like was willing to fight for what she believed in. Uh, but she got a, an army full, this is a legend about her, an army full of battle hardened soldiers to stop swearing because it was believed that um, she, chasti she chastised a soldier who she caught swearing in her presence and he laughed at her and played it off. And later that day he fell in a well and died. And so everyone was like, Dang, yeah, we're not doing that around her again. And so, you know, one of the legends associated with her. Um, but the saint, the first person that came to mind, actually, when I was thinking about speech was Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. And if you want to read about him, you can go back to Luke chapter one. Uh, before the Annunciation to Mary, there's an Annunciation by Gabriel to Zechariah that him and his wife Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, is going are going to give birth to John the Baptist, the one who will prepare a way for Jesus, his second cousin. Um his feast days on November 15th, he died in the first century, he was, um, you know, lived in the first century, um, and he was a priest in the temple of Jerusalem. Um, some, some people debate whether or not he was the high priest or not, don't think that he was, but he was allowed to enter the sanctuary, which was only typically the job of the high priest, but they drew lots to see who would do that, to go, they believed in the sanctuary was where the presence of God actually dwelled, and he had to go light incense in there, and while he was in there, he received this vision uh, because he was in like the presence of the divine. They believe like that was in uh, like an echo chamber or a chamber into the divine, into heaven itself. And he encounters the, the angel Gabriel there. And the angel says that he's him and Elizabeth would bear a son despite Elizabeth being in her old age. Um, and Zechariah was so dumbfounded by this. He doubted and he said, how can this be? That he was struck mute. He was unable to speak until the day John was born and he pronounced his name. Um, and so I find that very interesting that, um, you know, the role of the high priest entering the sanctuary, it only happened once a year. And that was so that the priest could utter the name of God and it, the name of God, Yahweh was so sacred and still is so sacred to, to Jews today that they could only utter it once a year. And it was only the job of the high priest to do this on the day of atonement, um, which is honor about the first day of fall every year in the Hebrew calendar. Um, and how, how it corresponds to our calendar. And so um, it's very likely that that would have been the occasion by which he would be entering the sanctuary. There really wasn't ever any other reason um, to do that in any of the, the Hebrew feasts. And someone can correct me if I'm wrong. I'm not um, a, you know ancient Jewish um, expert. But my understanding is that that was the reality. And so he goes in there. 
in a place where speech is to be revered and in a moment of doubt or lack of faith, his speech is removed. And only when that faith is confirmed again is that speech given. And it says later on, um, there's a minor tradition in some of the, the writings about him that Zechariah was killed in the temple when he refused to tell King Herod where his son could be found uh, when King Herod was seeking to behead him. Uh, and so in that moment was faithful in his speech to be able to do something um, to protect another person and to build up the body of Christ instead of speaking out of doubt um, or something like that in a place where speech um, and addressing God in a profane way in that holy of holies and that inner sanctuary would have been probably the biggest blasphemous thing you could have done. Um, and so I think he just struck me as someone to really think about and ask for the intercession of if anyone's really struggling with this. And so we asked St. Joan of Arc and St. Zechariah to pray for us in our desire to be more virtuous in our speech and our language, uh, in our prayers for other people in our lives, maybe who may not understand this teaching or may not be religious, but really just have a hard time with language or don't understand how offensive it can be to other people. Um, and to use this as a catalyst for community, maybe listen to this podcast with someone else and make a pact to say like, okay, I want you to call me out if I'm ever using inappropriate language and I'm going to do something because of that. I'm going to do push-ups, or I'm going to do a challenge or, uh, you know, something, or I'm going to give you a dollar or something like that. And so I hope anyone who knows me, if you catch me, um, you know, saying anything that you deem inappropriate or as profane, please call me out on it in a loving way and say like, Hey, you know, you said that you weren't going to try and use that language. And I do very, I like, I very, I have an aversion to a lot of the really bad words and very rarely do I use others if at all. Um, and so, and I don't, uh, argue that any of the ones that, um, could be listed as words that are profanity or, you know, curse words are appropriate. Um, and so I speak about this as a, a brother desiring to be more virtuous in this myself. And I feel like I do a really good job, especially compared to the world as a whole, but we can always do better. And I think the goal for us as disciples of Christ is to just rid our vocabulary of this and to think about how we can have that well-trained tongue and speak to the weary a word that will rouse them in a way that will impart grace on those who need to hear it um, and speak only as is good for needed edification, as scripture says. And so uh, I encourage you, um, if you if you hear this and you're someone who really uses a lot of you know inappropriate or profane language, don't take this as like, you're terrible, you're going to hell. Like take this as an opportunity to really think about like, is there a way that I can communicate this better? And how may this have, been affecting people around me without me even knowing. Maybe you just had no idea. And that's, you know, that's totally reasonable uh, to expect that people would have no idea in a culture where this type of language is all around us on a daily basis. Um, but the question of the Christian is always, how can we be better? How can we seek excellence and greatness in this walk toward heaven um, and not look horizontally for how we're to behave, but to look vertically? And so I want to encourage you to do that. Know that I'm praying for you. Pray for me in that regard. Pray for Jenna, who couldn't be with us this episode. And if you want to support this episode and everything that we do uh, financially in any way, you can do so for as little as a dollar a month on Patreon. If you become a Patreon supporter, by the time we get our merchandise up on the website, you're going to get some of that sent to you for free and we are very close to doing that we have our logo finalized we know exactly what we're going to be printing that stuff on it's just getting the shop part of our website finalized which should be done probably by the time the next episode comes out and so if you want some of that merch um don't be a mooch and just sign up for two weeks and then leave because i will secretly and also out loud be judging you hardcore for that but it, everyone's got a dollar a month that's less than a cup of coffee and so we'd love for you to support us and you get access to um you know sneak peeks of episodes exclusive content um and you'll get access to that merchandise before anyone else and so you'll get that sent to you as a thank you for 
for um, contributing to the cost of this podcast. Um, we really appreciate it because it does cost money to host this podcast for the equipment, all of that different type of stuff to buy that merchandise, to get licensing and all that stuff everything that we need to do. Uh, and so we thank you very much for those of you who do that. If you appreciate it or like this episode, please rate and review it. Uh, share it with people who you think could benefit from it. Uh, and please uh, continue to pray for us. So we'll pray for you. And until next time, we will see you in the Eucharist. God bless.